You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Push him down. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that. On Talk Sport. Welcome to the Fight Night Podcast from TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Pleasure as always to be in your company. A little reminder, make sure you subscribe so you never miss out on any of the boxing content that we bring your way. You can also subscribe to the TalkSport Boxing YouTube channel. Now, on Saturday night, myself and Gareth Davis were in the studio getting stuck into the first Fight Night show of 2024. And we started, of course, with heavyweights. The big news going into the weekend was that Anthony Joshua is taking on Francis Ngannou. Here's our thoughts. It's a Friday, by the way. I, mean, I can't officially announce this, but Anthony Joshua kind of teased it on his Instagram yeah. today. Back at it, 8th of the 3rd, 2024, which is a Friday, interestingly. Yeah. Obviously, Ramadan starts, I think, on, on the Sunday. Sunday. So for, um, what would it be, cultural and religious reasons yeah. in Islamic society, they probably don't want the event going into Ramadan itself. Given what you saw at the end of the year... And the end, listen, the end of the year most certainly finished in a more positive place than the start of the year. I remember doing this show at the start of last year and it was all a bit doom and gloom. Are we going to get this? Are we going to get, get that? And travesty was one of the words we were using. Yeah. It would be a travesty if we don't see these fights. Do you remember? And we didn't see them in 2023, but what we did is finish the year in a more positive space because I think we all gained a bit more of an understanding as to how 2024 could play out because of what we experienced through Riyadh season and the influx of Saudi Arabian money. There is no doubt that these things are now possible because there are large chunks of cash on the table in order to basically give people no excuse to not make these fights. So we finished 2023 in a far more positive space. Mm. And we also finished not just because of the prospect of what could happen in 2024, but because of some of the performances that we actually witnessed at yeah. the back end of 2023. We've now gone to, got to ourselves and gone, hang on a minute, this this could be a real goer. We could genuinely get AJ versus Fury at some point in 2024. Absolutely, it's definitely and, in the water now again, yeah. And not just from a business point of view, actually from a sporting competitive point of view, yeah. you think to yourself, that's actually, could be a good fight, that. Yeah. Anyway, given what you saw Anthony Joshua do against Otto Wallen, is Francis Ngannou the right choice of next opponent? He's certainly an opponent with Jeopardy and he will be paid, they needed to find an out uh, or an in, if you like, for the, the the whole process of what's happening over there. If we call it the Super League of Heavyweight Boxing at the moment, and obviously the heavyweight division is playing out, you know, albeit we've got a, a Bivol in there at light heavyweight, Dimitri Bivol, and we've got a, a Jaya Pattaya at cruiserweight in there as well. Outside that, and we had a J- Jack McGann as well, didn't we? Um, and what is he, 154? Mm. Um, if we... Um, if we precluding those if we look at the if we look at the heavyweight division at the moment anthony joshua i think has put himself in third position um behind with that performance fury again. And Be- behind fury and Usyk. i think you can clearly make a case that he that was that was one of the most complete technical 
performances I've seen from him um, in in probably in five or six years um, because he got all his tactics right. People will come out and say now, yeah, but Otto Wallin looked pretty useless. No, that's nonsense. Uh, it, it Anthony is. Joshua he, made him look useless. He, he, he completely nullified him. He hit him hard, step in, jab, to the body It's the best head. Joshua's looked for a long time. There's I agree. No and I that. said to him myself after the press conference on, on, uh, on the night, uh, said to him personally, Anthony, I think that's the best I've seen you, maybe ever, technically. I thought it was technically perfect for 15 minutes. He barely took a blow. When he did take a punch, he was back at it. Lovely to see the jab and the left hook coming together as a combination. Um, just just everything looked right. And I, and weirdly, mm. um, and I didn't use any of the quotes for ben, from Ben Davison until the day of the fight in terms of written piece. Um, ben Davison spoke exactly how, to me, privately how they were going to fight that fight. And that's exactly what Anthony Joshua did. The partnership's he, great. Yeah, I, I agree. We've thought that all along, haven't we? Whenever yeah. we well, as soon as we heard they were together, I think Ben's the right person. The difficulty for him is going to come if he's training Anthony Joshua to fight Tyson Fury. He won't do that. I don't I, think he'll do that. I think he's struggling with it. He won't do it. I, th I think he's struggling with it. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I raised the question at the press conference. He didn't want to answer it. And that's not because we're not there yet. Yeah. There's, thing, there's hurdles to get over. And as I said to him, but it's a sport. It, it's, it's a sport. And But he's not built like that, he's Ben. No, I, I, ben, I agree. Ben he, has he a friendship not. with Tyson yeah, Fury. Yeah, he, yeah. They, they've got a very deep and personal relationship. Yeah, I agree. And I think out of respect for Anthony Joshua, he wouldn't do it the other way around either. Mm, mm. It's interesting though, isn't it? It is, because <laughs> I think from an Anthony Joshua point of view, you want Ben Davis in your corner, because that partnership seems to work. Mm. It, it looked really, really good on December 23rd, and I think that this has to be the thing going forward. And what I saw on December 23rd excites me for 2024 uh, for Anthony Joshua. Can I throw it back at you? Um, obviously, he's, what I didn't finish what I was saying there was, I'm sure there was a huge um, truckload of cash on the table for Joshua to fight Ngannou. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's, a, it's a very, it's a real tease, that matchup, when you think about the thumping punches they both are. Um, and, you know, the fact that there is a little jeopardy around uh, Joshua's chin as well um, and, and Naganu looked very good against Tyson Fury um, split decision remember that was over 10 rounds so um, a majority decision yes. sorry over t not a split decision a majority <coughs> decision over 10 rounds so um, that I don't know We you can't write Naganu off anymore and he's got a great team in Dewey Cooper and John Mabomba and maybe Mike Tyson will be in his corner again so I think I want to throw it at you to, you know because you can be quite critical of these things yep. I'm, I'm happy with the matchup I'm looking forward to it um, because I think we'll have had February the 17th we'll know where we lie with the undisputed we'll know what's happened to the four belts we know it's a two fight deal between Fury and Usyk so they'll probably fight in the summer as well um to, to your mind, should Joshua have gone for a Zhang or a Hergovic if they were on offer as well? Well, I think what boxing fans need to do, and I'm absolutely one of these people that need to do this, is that we need to fully understand that it isn't a sport first and foremost. Sporting merit doesn't isn't at the forefront of people's thought processes when matchmaking. It's a business. Yeah. That's that's what people are trying to and do. And money speaks. Those are the two of things. Course. Money talks and, of course. And, and it's a business, yeah. Of course, we're, we're trying to satisfy ego and greed at, at large percentages of time in order to get people in the ring. And I think when you actually take a step back and analyse this, when I when they announced, for example, when they announced Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou, I referred to it as a, a circus fight, a bit of a joke fight, and I stand by that. I stand by everything that I said regarding that particular fight. But you were wrong. No, I wasn't wrong. It wasn't a joke. It was. Oh, listen, let me finish what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. On, on paper, when you yeah. look at that fight, the heavyweight champion of the world who didn't defend his belt in 2023, was allowed to fight a guy making his boxing debut in a non-title fight. That, on paper, from a sporting merit point of view, is a joke. That should not have been allowed to have happened. I understand it from a business standpoint as to why it ended up playing out. Now, for me, as I watched that fight, you're right in what you're saying. Francis Ngannou surprised everybody. The threat of Francis Ngannou going into that fight for the majority of people was power. Could he land the power? We've seen it in the USC. For about 10 minutes. Yeah. Can he land the power on Tyson Fury? I didn't give him a cat in hell's chance of being able to do that because Tyson Fury is a supreme boxer and I didn't believe that Francis Ngannou could land that power. I didn't count that Tyson Fury would turn up the version of Tyson Fury on that particular night. For me, he might deny this, but I don't think he took it seriously. I don't think he turned up in shape. 
And he, obviously, when you're booking a fight on December 23rd for another guy and overlooking the person that's in front of you, you kind of play into that narrative. Mm. And what we got is the best version of Francis Ngannou against, in my opinion, the worst version of Tyson Fury. That's what we got on that particular night. Now, whether we agree or disagree with the result or not, the fact of the matter is, is that the best version of Francis Ngannou didn't beat the worst version of Tyson Fury. That's what happened on the on the evening. And it happened like that because Tyson Fury is a supreme boxer and he could navigate the actual situation and he came through it. He got away with one, so to speak. Mm -hmm. He's not going to have that attitude going into a fight with uh, Alexander Usyk. Now, going into the fight, there was no data on Francis Ngannou as a boxer. Nobody knew. There was no blueprint. Nobody knew what he was all about. Everybody thought it was about power. On the night, he showed us that he can hold his form. He's a good orthodox and southpaw. Got a good jab, good ring IQ, and showed a lot of patience in that fight. Very and, he's, good and he's immovable in lots of ways. And he's 20 stones, right. six foot five, and he can punch. Very good on the back foot, good counters. and Kept like, it simple, didn't he? Very kept it simple. And we've seen it in MMA in four ounce gloves, and now we've seen it in a boxing ring against a six foot nine heavyweight champion. He's very difficult to move, very difficult to put down. When you hit him, he can take a punch, can Francis Ngannou. So there's lots of things there now that Francis, that Anthony that Joshua... creates jeopardy for Joshua, Well, yeah. Joshua actually has information now. Yeah, yeah. I think the element of surprise around Francis Ngannou is now gone. Because you look at the team-up of Anthony Joshua, Ben Davison and his team, they're very analytical. They look at tape, they look at all different ways of going about trying to make a fight. I actually think this is more straightforward than Anthony Joshua than people give it credit for. I think... We'll, we'll talk to Lee Phelps a little bit later on about the odds on this particular fight. I think we're going to find that Anthony Joshua was an overriding favourite, and I think he comes through. He's quite seven to one on. I think he comes through. He's quite seven to one on. He's a huge favourite in this. But with the casual audience who look at this, they will look at Francis Ngannou put Tyson Fury down, pushed him all the way, and some people think Francis Ngannou won that fight. Mm. All right. The narrative there for Anthony Joshua is go and do to Francis Ngannou what Tyson Fury couldn't do to him. And that then sets up, hopefully, the fight that we all want to see at the end of the year, Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury. Listen, with Riyadh season, with money from Saudi Arabia, with all these things, we're going to still get the circus. This is still the circus. Let's be dead honest about it. It is still the circus. But sprinkled around this circus, we're going to get some killer fights. We're getting the undisputed heavyweight championship of the I world. I just don't agree with you. I just don't... I don't, I don't you see don't think it's the circus? Steam. No, no. Why? Look... Was it a circus? Let me throw this at you. No, no, no. A, 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 a on UFC, paper, a UFC on paper question. Is, is the two-time heavyweight champion of the world... In 2007, Brock Lesnar came into UFC, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Three fights later, he was You're fighting... You're talking Randy about different Fitch. sport now. Uh, no, I know, but what I'm saying is, no, it's not a circus. They're all fighters. It's not... I don't see it as a circus. I mean, a, a cir circus... Circo. I mean, it, it, it's... It is a carnival. I mean, I... I there you go, I, I... I, I, I Two-time uh, unified heavyweight champion of the world uh, fighting a guy that's never won a fight. Well, not never, not never won a fight. Well, never won a boxing match. No, never. He, he hasn't won a boxing match, but the guy can box. The guy can stand up. But he's never he's, won a boxing match. He, what was what thing is? I mean, we, we can argue this all night, but Francis Ngannou in MMA is a stand-up fighter, isn't he? Yes. He, he's a striker, isn't he? Notably, right. yeah. that's what he is, his striker. So he's also a man who wanted to be a boxer. Yes. So all his, his intent, I mean, I used to watch him, I, watching him in his MMA career, in his UFC career, and it was all about could Francis get hold of you with his hands, wasn't it? Yeah. It wasn't about... Obviously, his wrestling is decent. Obviously, you it's, been, got, it's got better. Well, well <laughs> yeah, and I've been wrestled myself by yeah, him. Yeah, but yes. Listen, no, they say that when you go to the ground, it evens out. But when you're whatever you are, thirteen stone, and he's he, he's twenty, yeah, yeah. you haven't got any chance. No. And and his arm is like your thigh. Then you haven't got any chance. But he's an incredibly strong man. I I, I think I think rather than circus, I I think it's all a spectacle. I, is that I, not the same thing? Yeah, but I, I, what I don't want to be is negative about it. I'm not I, negative I, about I, it. I, I, oh, good, because I think we're celebrating. Look at what what we're celebrating is huge investment in the blue ribbon division. Absolutely. Of of um, boxing, where of our heavyweights, where honestly, I think for probably for for fifteen events. We're going to get this incredible Super League, and I think at the moment, if you if you look outside, 
if you look outside, Anthony Joshua and Francis Ngannou, I think he'll beat Francis Ngannou, but I do worry for him as well in the fight, that if he gets caught by Ngannou, Ngannou will capitalise. And there are dangers in the fight. There's no doubt about it. You have that. to say that now, because if the best Anthony Joshua doesn't turn up, there could be problems for him. I hope so, and I think he will. I agree. One man that will have a keen eye on the development of that fight and the rest of the heavyweight division is Joseph Parker, putting in a great performance against Deontay Wilder on December 23rd and sets himself up for a fabulous 2024. Whilst on holiday, he joined me and Gareth on Saturday night's show. Our first guest of uh, 2024 uh, put on a phenomenal display against the former WBC heavyweight champion of the world, Deontay Wilder. He is, of course, the former WBO heavyweight champion of the world, uh, Joseph Parker. Kindly joining us uh, from his home in the, at the start of the new year. Joseph, welcome back to the show. How are you, sir? I am very good. I'm spending some good quality family time here in Samoa. And listen, life is good, very blessed, and had a great year, 2023, and I look forward to 2024, what it brings. Well, it's great to hear that you are spending uh, some well-earned downtime after a phenomenal performance, and like you just said, a phenomenal year, a rebuilding year, uh, which climaxed in uh, in December with a great performance against Deontay Wilder. You've been world champion uh, previously, you've mixed with very high-level competition, Joseph, but would you say that the win in December is is the best so far of your career? This being champion of the world and, and beating Andy Ruiz in a, in a close fight and a tough fight in New Zealand was was right up there. It was the best feeling. But then, um, like you just mentioned, fighting Deontay Wilder, having a busy year and then finishing it off with a great win over someone like Deontay Wilder, who's only lost to Tyson Fury, I think it was uh, probably was one of the, the best highlights of my career. It is the best highlight of my career. What's um, actually playing out in reality something that you knew, but maybe some other people didn't necessarily thought uh, was was possible. What is the actual realisation of that like on December 23rd? You know, when I just going into the fight, I was fully confident. I had all the confidence in the world just because of all the training and everything I did in that year with Andy Lee and George Lockhart, the training, the travelling all around the world, fighting in Australia, fighting in England, fighting in Saudi Arabia, and then finishing off again in Saudi Arabia. Just after the win, it was just like, Damn, we done it, you know, and, and this is what we knew we could do. But um, there were a lot of doubters and there were a lot of people thinking I was going to get knocked out. But it was, it was great to go into the fight with a plan, executed it and uh, followed it to the, you know, to the best and got the win. Joseph, um, the last I saw of you, we were sat in the Bedouin tent, if you remember, in the fight hotel, um, having a yeah. little chat. And, I, and I'd said to you, I thought it was technically the best performance you've ever had and you talked about how much you've enjoyed it have you watched it back and how soon do you want to get back i have watched it back once and then i went to watch it again but the the zone took it off my dad's asking me son where can you find a fight i said don't, don't worry I'll, I'll try and uh, i'll try and lock it in and, and get something for you to watch but i would like to get out as soon as i can i know March? there's a uh, february March. March, I'd love to fight in March. How does Friday, Friday, March the 8th sound? Anything. <laughs> I think they've already uh, given me an indication that there's a possibility I could be fighting on that card. So I am, listen, I'm training every day. I'm working hard. I'm eating clean. I'm just enjoying rest time. But I know that there's uh, a fight coming or looming in the very soon. Joe, when you watched the fight back, the one time that DAZN allowed you, um, what, what we tell us how you describe your performance when you watch yourself doing it. Uh, when I watched it, I thought I was very cautious in the beginning just because of the, the dangers that um, Deontay Wilder presented. And as the rounds went on, and the more I pushed the fight, the more confident I, I, I got in the ring. And... Uh, uh, it's very going into the back in the corner after a round. Andy gives good, clear and instructions, and he's very calm about it. Mm. And uh, he said, "Now is your time to take your chance." And uh, I felt, I think, as the fight, like I said, grew on, the more confident I became. Listen, um, Andy's a fantastic brain, but you obviously played that uh, game plan out to a T, and has got a lot of fight fans excited now about what could happen 
in 2024. In the immediate aftermath, Joe, obviously a few names get thrown at you and you say, yeah, I'll take anybody, I'll fight this guy, I'll fight that guy, I'll fight this. So I'm going to throw a few towards you because there's a couple of fights that I've got your name penciled alongside that I personally would love to see in 2024. First and foremost, um, let's have a look at some of the fights that you've had previously that didn't go your way. Anthony Joshua. What do you make, first and foremost, of him fighting Francis Ngannou? And would you have loved the opportunity to have fought Anthony on March the 8th? I've always said that I wanted to fight those who have beaten me, a rematch to avenge them losses. And I felt that um, I felt if I could you know, get the, the win over Wilder, that it could set something up with me and AJ. But now I've seen that he's locked in this fight with Francis Ngannou. And I think, I think it's a great fight. I think, uh, listen, they're both going to get well paid. And Francis Ngannou put on a good performance against Tyson Fury. So it would be interesting to see what AJ does with Francis Ngannou. But I would have loved the opportunity to fight him myself. What do you make... I mean, there's rumours that Deontay, who you've just beaten, is going to be fighting Zhili Zhang, who is the WBO interim champion. You're currently number three with the WBO. Would you not have wanted that? I mean, that, that seems to me that he's getting rewarded for you beating him. There, those, all those names that have been chucked or thrown at us, we've said yes to every one of them. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's, it's good to, in order to say yes and offer these fights, but there's, there's things that happen behind the scenes that mm. we have to work on in terms of negotiations and all that. But every name like Zhang or Herkovich or anyone, whatever they've said, we've said yes to. There's also, I mean, you just mentioned the people that you've been in with the past that maybe it hasn't gone your way. Joe Joyce is another name there as well. That I mean, British fight fans would absolutely love to see that again on British soil. It's probably more likely to be in Saudi Arabian soil. But there's another opponent that could hopefully maybe materialise uh, for March if you're looking to get back out that quick. Oh, 100%. Like, like, I, said, like I mentioned, like anyone in, in the top 10 would like to... Like we, in this game, it would be nice to get another big fight and just continue on. The, like Momentum is key and keeping active is, uh, is the most important thing, I feel. Oh, that was one of the things for you. I'm, I want to say it's four fights you had last year as well. Um, obviously, people always say that you had one against a cruiserweight, but is the fact that you fought four times last year indicate that maybe you'll be out perhaps at least three times this year? Listen, if I could get another four times this year, it would be amazing. Mm. But uh, it's continuous work with Andy Lee, continuous work with George Locker, and finding the proper balance that I've been looking for for my whole career. Mm. It, it, listen, it is amazing that obviously you became champion relatively young in your early 20s, Joe, but it seems now that you're actually boxing at your very, very best. Would you agree with that particular statement? To be honest, I would agree 100%. I feel like now I, I won the championship of the world at 24 and I felt like I was too young. Mm. You know, I, I didn't probably didn't handle it as, as, as well as I should have and um, thought I was a rock star. <laughs> but now, I think now with maturity and having my own family and having the team that I do believe in and trust in 100%, um, I feel like now I'm, I'm actually fighting a lot better and in my prime. Can I finally ask you, I mean, I think it was nine weeks you were away from the family. I did say to you about a year ago, I just thought there was a glow about you physically under George Lockhart. You're very happy in the Tyson Fury team set up. Can I just ask you what it feels like? I'm very envious of the pictures I can see of you now with the palm trees and the sunshine, <laughs> I've got to say, because it's wet, windy and raining here. Um, how much, yeah, look at it, how gorgeous it is. Oh my God, look at that lake behind you. Or is that the sea? Um, how, how nice is it? to be back at home with with your family. Your son's just been born, hasn't he? You've got loads of daughters as well. You've got like a whole football team of children now, haven't you? No son yet. I've got four girls. It's four and girls a and a baby on the way. But another girl? I'm not too sure yet. I'll find out very soon. But oh. to be honest, I do. I'm very good at making girls. I'll tell you, I'll tell, I'll tell you <laughs> Real one men of, make girls, man. That they do. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Um, One of the things that those, I will take... Nice. Feels nice to just to spend time with the family, wife and kids, yeah. and to be here in and just enjoy uh, fruits of your labour. You know, it's, yeah. it's hard work. Listen, it's extremely well earned. You know, uh, we're enjoying every moment of it. 
We're just losing a little bit of signal there on Joe, obviously, because he's uh, in some more. But Joe, listen, thank you so much uh, for giving up a bit of time to come and uh, join us on the programme. Fantastic performance at the back absolutely end of the year. Was. A really solid 2023, and it absolutely... I mean, I'm looking at the rankings here. We've got WBO number three, IBF number four, yeah. uh, WBA number three, and WBC number eight. They haven't been actually upgraded since your win against Deontay Wilder, so I'm anticipating some of those to go even further up and set you up for a fantastic But even more than that, the interchange between Joseph and Anthony Joshua after the event was yeah. extraordinary. And also, wherever I went in Saudi Arabia and Riyadh, this man made an impact with people because he's, they said he's the most humble um, athlete they've ever met. And I think that is true of Joseph Parker, and he is going to have a big 2024. Not humble when that bell goes, though, man. No, no. He lets his he's hands go. He's a meanie. He lets his hands go. Uh, listen, Joe, thank you so much. Go well. <laughs> Very much. God bless. Take care. Cheers, Take cheers, care. Joe. There you go. Josie Parker there, uh, joining us off the back of a fantastic performance against Deontay Wilder. And listen, it really does set up a sensational 2024 for him. You look at the... I mean, we know that we've got the undisputed fight. We know that AJ's going in the direction of uh, Nganu. But there's other ne little names in there that you could set up. If he stays fit, stays healthy, he could come in as a last-minute opponent for somebody. Next thing you know, he's fighting for a world title. Be ready. Be ready. Simple That's it. That. And, and, and because when you get... What happens is, remember we had like five main events on the same card. You've got a whole acceleration of the league, haven't you? Yeah. So you've got Dubois rises suddenly, Cabayel's risen, Parker's risen, Joshua's risen. It's all happening. So people fall down the snake, slide down the snake and climb up the ladder. It's, it, it's a UFC fan's dream, Adam. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The first live talk sport boxing is coming to you on January the 20th. We're going to be in Liverpool for Natasha Jonas versus Michaela Mayer. Natasha Jonas was on our breakfast show earlier on in the week. So we thought we'd catch up with the former super featherweight champion who's stepping up to welterweight to challenge for that world title on Saturday night's programme. Here is Michaela Meyer. Uh, now then, we have to thank our next guest for her incredible patience. She's been waiting for us for 10 minutes whilst we were wittering on about uh, the heavyweight division. She's going to be featured uh, in our uh, first live event of 2024 for the IBF welterweight strap. Uh, Michaela Meyer very kindly joins us on the show right now. Michaela, how are you? Hey guys, I'm doing well. How are you? Very well indeed. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. In the car with the dogs. Of course, you know me. Uh, <laughs> about to take him to the P-A-R-K. I can't say the word out loud. That's it. Oh, go on. Can I shout park? No, no, why have you done that? Why have you done that? <laughs> dogs are going to go crazy in the I want to see if they're going crazy. No, they're not even going. That's, no, please. They no, are with I can't do it. They're always with <laughs> Michaela. Whenever you see those dogs are with her, apart from when she's training. Um, you look really no, well. Thank you. I feel really well. Um this is my first fight in a long, long time, like since the amateur days that I, I'm not worried about weight, you know, I'm fighting comfortably, I'm training mm. comfortably and it feels great. Like I feel strong and happy and I'm enjoying training more than I have in a long time. Just on that, on the, on the move up to welterweight, Michaela, is it a case of that where that is where the opportunity for you was, or is it a case of the body is now ready to be fighting at 147? 
So a little bit of both. I knew I was going to go up. I tried to fight at 135. Um, sorry, I'm trying to line this up. I tried to fight at 135 after 130, and it was still a huge cut for me. Mm. So I knew that I had to keep going. I didn't expect to go to 47. I expected 140. I said, okay, let me go challenge 140. Maybe let me look for a Katie Taylor fight. But Katie Taylor was busy. Chantel Cameron at 140. She was busy. Obviously, they have their trilogy coming up. Mm -hmm. And the next opportunity was to fight at 147 against Tasha Jonas. I got a call from top rank. They said, this is what's most immediate. Would Michaela be willing to go to 47 already? And I said, hell yeah, let's go. Hell yeah, let's go. Let's try and become a multi-weight world champion. Well, on that note, um, I want to play something to you. It's not like us not to stir the pot here on, <laughs> on Talk Sports. Let's get stuck in, shall we? Because Natasha Jonas uh, was on the breakfast show a little earlier on this week. Uh, and it's fair to say that she's feeling pretty confident ahead of the fight with yourself. This is what she had to say. I think she's got a good amateur pedigree. I, I, even the fight she lost, I genuinely thought she won. She's got, you know, good hand speed, good work rate, and yeah, good basics. But I just think everything that she does, that I, I do better. Very complimentary, of course. She uh, she respects the skills, but she basically respects her skills a little bit more, stating that uh, in every department that uh, she believed that she is better than you. Your comments on that, Michaela? That's how she should feel. And that is the type of fights that boxing needs, right? Like, mm -hmm. we don't need fights where the odds are uh, a million miles apart. Like, you want a fight that is close. You want a fight where, you know, half people think one person is going to win, the other half, other half think the other is going to win. So this is that, this is that kind of fight. We're giving boxing the fight that fans want to see. And it's two competitive females who are very accomplished, who have that experience, who have that pedigree and who both believe are the best. So that's how she should feel. Obviously, I feel the same way. Um, and that's why we're going to duke it out uh, January 20th and, and see who's right. I was just going to say, what does she do well? What challenges does she bring you on uh, January the 20th? Uh, I've said I think the biggest challenge or advantage that she has coming into this fight against me is that she is uh, Southpaw. And I've, I've faced Southpaws before, obviously, you know, with over 100 amateur fights, you have to. But as a pro, I haven't yet faced a Southpaw. And so that has been my biggest focus this fight is coming up with the best strategy against a Southpaw because it does it does change. It does alter the way you go into a fight. And I've always been the strategist. My coach, Coach Al Mitchell, in my corner has always been an extreme strategist. We always have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. So um, I've been really focused on on those the proper technique and the proper combinations to go up against the lefty but ultimately you guys know you see me fight i love to bang it out i love to put the pressure on um but i can also box and so i think this it's going to be a little bit of whatever she brings to the table too i don't know if she's going to box and move or she's going to step to me either way i'm ready for for either one i like i like to do both so uh you know we'll see and you, you've also, what I was going to say was, you've also got continuity in terms of this being your fourth fight in a row in the UK. You love it here. You're very comfortable here. I imagine you're coming here fairly soon, in fact, because it's been a good time for you over here. And, I, and I'm expecting you, given that we're going to be in Liverpool for this one, to be bringing your guitar and playing a bit of music because not a lot of people know how great you are playing guitar and that your career was going to be in a band originally, wasn't it? <laughs> okay, I'm not bringing my bass, not a guitar. I played electric bass in an all-girl rock metal band for years coming up. And I know you have told me to pick it back up, and I haven't. I've been focused on Natasha Jonas, but it's on my to-do list. I got to pick the bass back up. How, and, uh, how about playing me. after victory with the guitar in the ring? It's one of the most musical cities in the world. I know, that's what I mean. You've it got the Beatles. one of the greatest bands of all I, time. I, M M Melissa obviously does your PR for top rank, but I'm only trying to help here. No, that's actually a really good idea. Let me uh, get a bass again, yeah. get a couple you know, practice sessions in, and then you know, maybe another fight or two. 
<laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I'm not jesting because I think it would go down brilliantly with the fans. I think those kind of... For it to of, play a role after party. Absolutely. It'd be amazing. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be amazing, you know. Um, but yes. um, this is a really big fight. Tasha Jonas was many people's fighter of the year last year in the UK. Year before. Um, year before, sorry. Yeah. Um, um, sorry, the year before. Um, she's had a great run here. Do you like going into the lion's den? Does that spur you on as well? That There's going to be 9,000 people in there. It's going to be absolutely very packed. Yeah, very, very pro Tasha Jonas. Does that get the best out of you? I think so. I think that uh, fighting the best, like a, a more strategic, strong, experienced opponent will always bring the best out of me. But listen, these are the type of fights I've always wanted. Unfortunately for me, I've had a slow year. In my opinion, it's been a slow year. It's not, I haven't had the type of fights that have really motivated me and got me excited, but I had to do what I had to do. I had to take that step back and work my way back up to this world title. So now that I have this big fight in front of me, I'm grateful and appreciative. I don't care. I'll step into the lion's den willingly. I mean, that's what I'm doing, but I'm happy to do it. I just want to make a big fight for this sport um, challenge myself and and do the most I absolutely can like in my career time because as athletes you know we don't have, have forever so these are the type of fights I want to be a part of yeah it's your eighth world title fight I think as well um and obviously you fought with the ring magazine belts on the line before as well what do you make of Katie Taylor vacating at lightweight to only hold the light welter or 140 pound titles and obviously it's opened the way for the likes of Caroline Dubois who you may fight for that belt down the line, I presume, or the light welterweight belt as well. I'm telling you right now, I will never. Oh, no, you're ever, not going back down. So okay. <laughs> I will never go below 140. Okay. okay. At this point, I feel so great at 147. Even mm. going to 140 would have to be for a major fight. Yeah. And um, this would have to be for, like, you know, the opportunity to fight. Katie, Katie Taylor yeah. or, or Chantel. But I know Chantel plans to move to 147. So it would have to be for an immediate opportunity to fight Katie Taylor. I'd go to 140. But for the most part, I'm not going below that. It, it always amazed I... me. It always amazed me, Michaela, that, that that I think you're about, well, certainly when I stand next to you, I feel like a midget. I mean, you're, you feel about <laughs> six foot two when I stand next to you. I, I, how on earth did you ever make Super Feather, honestly? Well, Fortunately for me, I naturally have a skinny build. You know, I have skinny legs and stuff. I come from a skinny family. But, you know, all this training, years and years, usually people move up over the time, over their career. I didn't move up. I fought at 132 in the amateurs. Yeah. And then mm. I cut to 130 for the pros. So for 15 years, I've been at the same weight. It's it's time for me to move up. You One know, can't ever really... say a lady's weight out loud, uh, age out well, loud. she's doing so, it. It's fine. So, no, not weight, but fighter. age. I can't say your age. <laughs> okay, and I mean, okay. you, you do... You, you you hit a certain age this year, don't you? So it's time. I guess. I mean, I wasn't thinking about that. But thank uh, yeah, you. Gareth. <laughs> I've, 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 dug, I've, dug, I've dug a hole there. Add, yes, over to you, yes, Adam. Uh, no, here's my thing. I understand that athletes, they, they have a short time frame to, you know, where they're at their peak. Yeah. But I also think that other factors come into play. So, you know, how many miles you have on your system and the work you put in. So I didn't take my first boxing fight until I was 18 years old. It's not like I've been boxing since I was six, like most of these men who are peaking at 24 years old. Mm. I genuinely feel like I'm still peaking. I'm still growing into my own. I have it. It takes so boxing is the hardest sport in the world for a reason. It takes so long, so many years of repetitively going over and over these movements that it, it takes time to get into your prime. And so I still feel like I'm there despite, you know, being 33 years old this year. I I still feel like I have a lot to show. So it's different. It's been different for us females. That's why you see most of the top women, all the girls in the pound for pound list, are, we're in our early 30s. Mm. Sometimes some of these girls are in their late 30s. Natasha Jonas is 39. She's yeah. still a world champion. So I don't think, and especially with the science you have these days, things are changing. It's not It's not so black and white especially for us women. So um, don't worry about my age, okay? It's all about how you feel on the inside. Absolutely. <laughs> that kind of leads me on nicely to something that had, a conversation that you had with Natasha on the press conference that we saw uh, here in the UK. You you, you were the one that brought up uh, the three-minute round situation. Of, of course, we've seen recently Amanda Serrano uh, camp every three-minute rounds and, and fight championship fights at three-minute rounds, and you brought it up in the press conference. Firstly, how successful have we been in trying to make this fight a three minute round uh, affair you guys you guys it is we are two weeks out from the fight 
And as much as I've had my manager press the situation, I still do not know whether we are going three minutes or two minutes for this fight. That's ridiculous. And I've asked. I have pressed. Obviously, I asked from the jump, which at the press conference is what? Seven weeks out from the fight? Still no answer. I don't know if this is boxer not wanting to do that because they have stated that they love the two-minute rounds for women's boxing. They think it's exciting. I don't know if it's Natasha saying, eh, maybe let's not do that. I don't know what it is. I'm prepared for either one, but I've been waiting for an answer. I'm uh, Listen, I'm, I'm on record saying I think that three-minute rounds, I know that there's different attitudes towards this, but three-minute rounds helps us get closer towards parity with the, with the male side of the game. And I think champions like yourself, uh, Michaela, obviously campaigning for those types of things are, are a positive thing, but I think it's ridiculous that you're two weeks out from a fight and you don't know what length of round you're fighting. Well, it's either 20 minutes or 36. Yeah, I mean, ridiculous. it does seem that, odd, that, that, but, that but I don't agree SNC. with that thing about yeah, no, parity. I don't That affects her SNC getting ready for this Absolutely. fight. If she yeah. doesn't know what, yeah. if she's doing 20 minutes and 36 minutes, that's ridiculous. Well, I always train. I always spar three yeah. minute rounds. I'm always training to go long. I mean, it's one of the reasons I'm pushing for that is because. I not only do I think it'll benefit my style, but I also think that allowing women or only allowing women to go two minute rounds is holding us back from that, from developing to that next level and building our IQ. Because when I go and I spar three minute rounds, I have time to to set people up Mm, and build mm. strategy. And when you're focused on just fighting 10 two minute rounds, you it's it's less time for strategy and more just about output and so if we continue to allow women to do that we're like we're slowing down the evolution right we're slowing down the 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 evolution of building that ring iq and competing at an equal level so i think that not every female right now could go three minute rounds i I Mm. do believe that not every female is ready for that but the elites and that's why not but the elites are, and that's yeah. why, like Amanda Serrano, she said, hey, let's make it a choice. Yeah. And if the two women agree, let's do that. And then we can see where it goes from there. I agree. We're not pushing on anybody. And we know us women who are willing to do it, we're not going to reap the benefits. We're not going to get paid a million dollars more to do it. We're doing it because this is what we've always done. We've always pushed the envelope. We've always tried to build the sport in any way that we can. We're the pioneers. Yeah. So this is our job. So- so there's there's two things I'd like to ask you because Adam and I have debated this yeah. many times. And um, would you like to see more research done into it, kind of technically from a medical science, from a sporting science, just to ensure that there is an up to date um, medical evidence that we should be moving from twenty, let's say, to thirty minutes, or no. tw- twenty to thirty six minutes? Should it be twelve twos, twelve threes, ten two? 10 twos to 10 threes where, 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 where do we set the parameters Michaela it's not about the science it's about the evolution you okay. have to allow you have to allow us to grow and evolve into the sport right so if if Amanda Serrano came out and said every woman needs every championship fight needs to be 12 minute rounds or I'm done no she didn't say that she said I want to give the women who are interested in doing this mm. the opportunity to say yes mm. give us the chance to prove that it works there's no science there's not going to be any science done until we actually do it okay, okay? I, so, I, I buy that yeah, yeah I like so that. give the women who are at the elite level yeah. who believe they can do it let us try let us let us do that and then we can evolve and go and go from there yeah. but um you know it's not like we're, we're going up against other men for 12 three minute rounds we we know what we're doing we do it in the gym every day agreed just all, well, go on, to ask the transgender question. Well, I well. think that's where you were going to go. Yeah, go I was. On. I just wanted to ask that about that thing that came out last week. You, were, I mean, uh, here's my thing. How can they allow transgender men to, to box women? Because for me, if you've been through puberty as a man, you should never box a woman. It's as simple as that. Um, you're absolutely right there. You know, once you go through puberty, there's things that hormone uh, therapy cannot, Correct. you can't reverse. Yeah. You cannot reverse what puberty has done. Okay, not, but let's stick to facts here. Everyone can talk about what their beliefs on the, the transgender community and what they believe, but we're not, I'm not talking about that. No. I'm talking about facts here. And the fact is hormone therapy is banned. Mm. You cannot use hormone replacement in sports. And so for th- that should literally make discount transgender them. athletes. Yeah, it should discount it, them. Yeah. It should make the, it, it by default, should make them ineligible mm. to compete. Mm. Yeah. Okay, period, point blank. You can't have it in your system. I mean, if I 
I think I've been in the USADA testing program, and I think if I took NyQuil the night before my fight and woke up and had to take a drug test, I would test positive. Yeah, because it's got pseudoephedrine in it or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't pick and choose where these rules apply. Mm. There's no hormone therapy allowed in sports. It, it disrupts even level the even level playing field that we try so hard to create. Right? We always want even level level playing field. That's why we have weight classes, and this completely disrupts it. Um, it's not fair, but it's not it's illegal. It's not legal, and that's the point we have to stick to. It doesn't yeah. matter how you feel about the situation. I'm a supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. I really am. But at this point, we can't take opportunity away from other women who have been working so hard to become successful in the sport that they love because it's illegal. You cannot do hormone therapy in sport. I think Kate, you've got a lot of supporters on that as well. Just on that, can we go on? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. I've just got one more uh, thing because this kind of leads on nicely to what you were just talking about. Obviously, uh, substances, performance-enhancing drugs, and various things like that that you're just referring to there. You, the only loss on your resume is to Alicia Bumgarner, who obviously tested positive uh, for a banned substance last year. I think you've been incredibly dignified and respectful uh, when asked questions in the past. What are your feelings towards that situation? Um, I think that. I stayed quiet in the beginning uh, because my my team had asked me to. <laughs> okay, you guys know me. There's plenty of things I wanted to say, but <laughs> we wanted to let we wanted to let all the facts come out. Yeah. Um. But the the fact is, she Alicia Baumgartner popped hot for some black market stuff. I mean, this isn't stuff that accidentally pops up in your lotion or 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 protein powder. Okay. So, um, at this point, the WBO has asked her to. Um, you know, come up with a reason yeah. for why this why this happened. She came up with her own drug test, with which I heard they did not approve, and she should have been stripped by now. I don't know what, what's taking so long, but she deserves to be stripped. And uh, this is not just has anything to do with me and and my rivalry towards her, but this is across sport. Like this has to be there. There has to be uh more standard strict rules it has to be clear across all athletes all weight classes man or woman there has to be repercussions because it's just way too easy it's way too easy to get away with it these days and it's not right it's not right so again this is disrupting the even level playing field um i hope the wo strips her soon i don't know what's taking so long but to me uh you know i think she's trying to do her best to stay relevant by calling out Clarissa Shields and um, even mentioning us fighting again. And to me, like, I don't think she deserves it. I think that she had all the opportunity in the world, you know, becoming undisputed. And now she, in my eyes, is a fraud. And I think she needs to pay the price. Very strong points there. Can I just ask you as well, going back, just slightly back to... Um, men and women sparring together in gyms as well. Adam was probably wanting to ask that as well. Obviously, we had the the kind of the revelation, if you like, the disclosure recently that Clarissa Shields had been knocked out in sparring, unhurt in sparring, and um, that that was a that was a gym story, if you like. Um, do you spar with men, and do we need to be careful or do gyms need to be careful about men and women sparring together because you may i've heard Listen, most women of your level tell me that they've had to spar men because the sparring isn't there for them all the time we all spar men all go. us elite women mm. we spar men mm. and clarissa getting dropped by that there's no shame in her getting dropped by her male sparring partner there's no shame in that's that. what sparring's for isn't it that's what sparring is for learn. and it's up to the, it's up to the coaches in the gym to regulate that to the best of their ability to mm -hmm. be able to push their athlete to an extent, right? You don't want to push them to the point where they're getting hurt, but you, if to get, to get us women for the ready for these world title fights, you, you have to push your athletes to an extent. So, you know, her getting cut or her getting dropped is, is, is no knock on her is no knock on her gym or her coach. I don't know what happened that day, but we're in there and we're training, we're doing our best and we have to be pushed. Is that by and someone in weight division perhaps below you or is it, um, you know, I mean, because, you, you know, th th 
we've just talked about men and women not fighting, yeah? N not fighting professionally yeah. against each other. And I, I covered a licensed professional fight between a man and a woman in two, in the year 2000 in Seattle, Washington. A woman called Margaret McGregor against Ooh. a guy called Lloyd Chow. It was at lightweight, I think. And and it was a very there was a much bigger story to it, Michaela, because she'd been domestically abused and she'd taken up boxing. I mean, Loy Chow w was a former jockey who boxed as an amateur. We dubbed him Loy Chicken Chow because they ran, f they they went a four round fight, and he literally ran. He was on a lose lose, so she beat him up. But it's the only time I've ever in my life covered a licensed fight between a man and woman. It was it, it was for the news pages. It was on the front page, I think, back in the day. I couldn't see it again. And it was like kind of the outrage of it happening that I was covering it. And there were two-thirds of the audience in Seattle were women anyway, about 8,000 in there, absolutely screaming Margaret on as she went like a raging bell. Now, that was a circus, if you like, mm -hmm. a circus act. Um, and I, 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 we'd love to have you on for another hour to talk about this, but, you know, <laughs> should we ever, ever see a licensed bout between no. a man and a woman? You know, Clarissa's always calling out men to fight them. Is there ever going to be a time where that does happen? And how closely does men and women need to be um, supervised in the gym when you're training for a fight? Because I think there are probably times when the wrong guy is in sparring with a woman. Yeah, idiots. No? But listen, the gym is supposed to be a controlled environment. The gym is a place where you you need to be able to to learn. You know, you if you get dropped, you got to get back up. You got to figure out why you got dropped. You got to you get caught with a certain punch. You know, you're working on blocking that and not getting caught again. That is a place for learning. So for one, someone to film that is wrong in general. But yeah. um, a gym there's is it a controlled environment and a place for learning to have a man versus a woman fight in real life. You know, that's up to the man and the woman. I think it creates uh, competition between the two, and there really is no competition. We're in a league of our own. So, um, you, <laughs> you know, are. that's on... You are indeed, madam. <laughs> you are. Yeah, but, I mean, that, that's on the two fighters. If they if they <laughs> want to make that happen one day, fine. But ultimately, you know, we have weight classes and we have uh, divisions for a reason. Listen, we're going to let you get to the P-A-R-K. I won't say it and cause havoc in Thank your car. You. Thank Walkies. You. Right, stop <laughs> Walkies. Uh, we'll let you get on uh, with... <laughs> <laughs> with your dogs um i said we're looking forward to seeing you on january the 20th two elite uh of the well two uh world two champions brilliant in the wrong athletes right, and they're going to throw down for us yeah, and give us some sensational wait. entertainment listen Michaela, looking forward to welcoming you back to the uk uh, go well have a safe rest of camp and we'll see you soon thanks guys I'll cheers see you champ soon. thanks awesome. a lot awesome there she is uh michaela meyer uh, former super fascinating fascinating listen, she's absolutely 100 yeah. after her career in boxing going into, yeah. a, into the world of media because she's yeah, made some fantastic yeah, points yeah uh, she's a, if not with her bass guitar heavy. listen how right am i that she should be bringing the bass guitar yeah, to liverpool i'm up for it now. come on i'm up for it now. i'll play the piano <laughs> How good was she? What a fantastic interview. You can check that out on the TalkSport Boxing YouTube channel in Vision as well. Make sure you come and join us on January the 20th in Liverpool for that epic showdown for the IBF Welterweight Championship. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can do it via the TalkSport website or via your normal provider, whether that be Apple, whether that be Spotify, you name it, you can get us everywhere and then you'll never miss out on any of our boxing content. And you can also subscribe to the TalkSport Boxing YouTube channel. Make sure you come back and join us next week. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.